Reva, do you have an earache? Miss Smith asked, her face wrinkled in concern. Reva lowered her hands from her ears. No, it's that song, she explained. If you hear it once, it stays in your head all day and rots your brain. Well, I really don't think... Miss Smith started to scold, but Reva interrupted her. It's the rum-tum-tums, she said. I mean, really, how many rum-tum-tums can a human take in one song? <laughs> okay, is rum-tum-tum really the lyric from Lil Drummer Boy, or are we I talking it, about cats? <laughs> I thought it was pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Yeah, it's pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Well, I guess we have to go to Genius. Little drummer boy. <laughs> Someone and, uh, look genius. it up real quick. Com. Hold on, I'm Let's going. Get the annotations. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Josh is going to double check this here. <laughs> yeah, yeah drums don't know. make a rum tum tum sound. Yeah, they're thinking of rum tum tugger. Yeah, what oh, she yeah. clearly hears, according to Genius, is rum pum pum rum pum 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 rum pum pum pum. No one's annotated it. I'm going to get in there and. Um, How many pum 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 pumps can someone take in one song? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's not. At least a dozen, it looks like. Oh, there's more than Do that. Do you have a mind. least favorite Christmas song? Because mine might be simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Uh, I thought you were going to say that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just called Wonderful Christmas Time. It's not a good one. Yeah. Is it Paul it's, McCartney? Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, John did... Happy Xmas War is Over, which bangs, in my opinion. <laughs> Straight banger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I like all the, the music, little kids that the, come in on the chorus. Not the message, but I'm... I, <laughs> right. I don't approve. I'm pro-war. Any so. other leap? <laughs> there's, there's one... There's a song. It's an original Christmas song, I think, on the Bob Dylan Christmas album. Oh, Must Be Santa. It, maybe that's not original. Oh, that's not an original. Must well, his Santa. version is annoying. <laughs> Great. And the okay. video is pretty okay. bad. Oh, yeah. It's a Hal Moore song. Okay. Katie, do you have any that annoy you? Mm. Do you know the Dominic the Donkey song? The who? No. No, <laughs> no I don't. Is that a regional thing on the East Coast? <laughs> East Coast only. Maybe. Um, don't look it up. You'll hate it. You have good taste. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm a little different. My... Uh, my least favorite Christmas song is Die Hard, so. <laughs> I'm wild like that. Let's let's do a show. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of Are You There Pod. It's me, Jessica. It's me, Josh. And Josh, what do we do on this podcast? We talk about young adult books. <laughs> Straightforward explanation of what, what we, we do. do for tonight's book. I was waiting for your joke. You don't have a joke ready. I didn't, I didn't have anything ready. He doesn't ready. have to have a joke. Yeah, no, too much pressure. Okay. Uh, well, we read books about bad women. <laughs> I don't know. I have nothing. Read a Christmas book. It's Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So what book did we do tonight, Josh? Uh, the first, which kills some of the suspense for me when I saw there were two more with the same protagonist. The first uh, Fear Street Super Chiller Silent Night by our friend Jovial Bob Stein. <laughs> <laughs> and here to talk about Silent Night 
is Katie, aka the Haunted Outfit. Katie, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for letting me talk about one of my top five favorite Fear Street books. You know what? I'm going to agree with you. I love this book. I think it's a solid Fear Street banger, and it it has stayed with me over the years. I love it. Wow. love this book. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, how many other Fear Street books really stand out to you? Yeah. There's really no memorable characters besides <laughs> Riva Dalby and maybe Honey Perkins. <laughs> this is this is the first R.L. Stein character, not counting Slappy or Monster Blood, Mr. Monster Blood, that I remember as a kid is an actual character. Like, isn't just the same, couldn't just be named Babysitter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, so are you saying that Ginny is bland and has no personality? Who? Is that well, the Babysitter? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was more than one oh, of those. Yeah, her. <laughs> interchangeable yeah. boys in those books mm-hmm. but here he's created a an actual character and a woman who has turned me into a sexist <laughs> and i'm here to advocate oh. for men's rights does she come back in other fear street books i'm guessing she's in silent night two and silent night oh. three <laughs> i i'm trying to remember if i've read all three i think i read silent night two and i don't think i ever completed the trilogy which is a shame i should probably work on that i imagine Um, the third book ends with someone cutting a hole in some ice and throwing her body down underneath for her to freeze to death (laughs) and being justified in doing it in the entire town saying nobody saw the whole town collapsed yeah (laughs) (laughs) the whole town gathers around like the who's and whoville and they sing (laughs) a song Mm -hmm. as reva freezes to death bangs up on the, the bottom yeah in, in fear lake <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course <laughs> yeah katie have you read all three i have uh fear street uh or silent night two is definitely skippable silent night three <laughs> is amazing uh it's okay. even is better it, than silent night one what's, you what's love the it. setting Ooh, of okay. silent night two uh, it all takes place in shady side and revolves around um dolby's and uh, and Riva and her cousin Pam. There's a kidnapping. Uh, Silent Night Three is filled with fashion shows, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very great. <laughs> is it one of those? Is it like Trick or Treat? I think where every year's a new Christmas. Like remember last Christmas when a bunch of people died? I hope that doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen again. And then it all happens again. Yeah, by the third one, Riva has to come home from college to experience these horrors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So there's not a, a, a Dolby's department store in the town she's going to college at. She actually has to come back to Shadyside to experience the horror. To get she more can't just trauma. work at one of the one exactly. of the um, <laughs> You'd yeah. think okay. she would have learned. Or just gotten a job at a different store at the mall. Yeah, but she doesn't have those family connections to basically let her do whatever she wants. And That's right. I mean, her daddy wanted her to start from the bottom, but she said, no way, sir. I'm working the perfume counter going all the way to the top from the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess we can just dive right in. I mean, I feel like we talk about R.L. Stein all the time. Yeah, usually just talk shit. So that's not true. I feel like I never hear anyone have anything good to say about R.L. I think I, that it's good that he is so prolific and has created um, so much, so much IP. I mean, from this guy totally. I learned turn him out so much from his master class about how to write oh, a book yeah. with forty chapters that 
end with a uh, suspicious image coming at me, and then everyone reveals on the next page that it was just a mannequin in a dark room in this mall. <laughs> right. And how if you do Which that enough times, a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that it will never not scare your reader. Honestly, though, like whenever I'm in a dark store with a mannequin, they're creepy. How often are you in a dark store with a mannequin? I Never. May, but I, I'm just saying, if I had been, they would be scary. I may have said this last time we talked about mannequins, but a couple months ago, I had a pop-up shop in the back of the bookstore, and they had these two old creepy mannequins that used to be in the HERS building, which is this old department store from the, what, 1940s or whatever, in Springfield? Like the 40s to the 80s, Yeah, I think, early yeah. 90s, yeah. And when I would walk in the back through the back door of the store in the morning, I would the lights would all be off. And more than once I saw this creepy mannequin and was scared like an R.L. Stein character. Yeah. <laughs> so it was in there. I, can, I can see that. Yeah. It's kind of scary. I guess we'll just dive right in to this banger of a book. So we start with a prologue. I feel like that's pretty common with the Fear Street Super Tillers. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a good warning up front one. that you're going to be super chilled. If, if you cannot handle yeah. what's in this prologue, take it back to the librarian and say, I need a baby book because I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a goosebumps, please? Right. Monster yeah, got to take too, a step please. down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to Slappy. So in this prologue, we get to meet Reva Dalby. She is, it's Christmas season. She's working the perfume counter at Dolby department stores. What a coincidence. Same name. Uh, it's because it's a family owned business. The backbone of our economy. Family owned businesses. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we really get to know Riva and her, her character um, by her interior monologue as she is judging um, Christmas shoppers, patrons in the store, as they are walking by her. Think of her as a smaller scale version of one of these children from Succession. And her dad is like the <laughs> runs the small town store and she mm. is the um, just terrible person. So she shiv. Is she the shiv? She shiv. Shiv, Ooh. but worse. <laughs> 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 but yes, yes. Uh, Both mean yeah. okay. redheads. Yes, mean redheads. Uh, so Reva's remarks at some of the patrons, I wrote them down. One is, how tacky. That woman is beyond makeup. She should go straight to plastic surgery. Oh, God. <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> Another one. And look at the bleach job on that one over there. Or is her hair naturally green? <laughs> Actually, it could be. You know, it's pre-grunge. Maybe yeah. she was what ahead of her time. Rock? Yeah. You don't know, What Reva? if she's in the band The Misfits, the fictional band who are the villains and Jim, yeah. We Not are the, the Misfits. Danzig. Our songs are better. Yeah. And it's true, by the way. The Misfits are the better band. and Their kind, songs really are better. And they are cooler looking, yeah. I think. Green hair. Yeah. Um, another one. Uh, well, this is her thinking about her boss, who she, I think, says her boss thinks that she, she says that her boss thinks she is fashion forward because she wears, um, is it men's suits with shoulder pads? Like big shoulder pads or just like power suits with shoulder pads? It's some I, kind of... I think she's talking about women's sh suits with shoulder pads. Women's suits. Okay. Yeah. So she's wearing like a Hillary Clinton-esque mm -hmm. uh, power suit um, with big shoulder pads. And uh, 
she thinks to herself, yuck, those tacky shoulder pads. Is she going to try out for fullback for the Bears? <laughs> Can I ask about, so shoulder pads were big, what, like late 80s, early 90s? Because my mom used to wear those. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, as a kid, I was confused about what their utility was. It's just fashion, right? I thought, here's what I really thought as a kid. This must be an adult woman thing I don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Like... Wow. That's what my head you went like. It. This is like when I found my mother's tampon and said, what's this for? But oh, it was no. shoulder pads. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what these do. Um, it must have yeah. something to do with having breasts. <laughs> I, I still, for a brief moment, a strong shoulder came back briefly. And I have a couple of blazers that do have shoulder pads, but they're not anywhere near not those giant as ones, big though, yeah. as the yeah as the eighty shoulder pads. And I think what it did, and Katie can correct me. Actually, you're the we do have expert, an expert, so, so maybe yeah. we could ask. What were the what per- are the utility of shoulder pads? Yeah. yeah, I think it's just to kind of create a certain silhouette. Um, maybe if like your shoulder pads or your shoulders are like a little bit bigger, it might sort of give you more of like an hourglass shape mm. like the image mm-hmm. of more of like a, a curvier body or something mm-hmm. so upside down triangle or if you're trying to achieve like the david byrne silhouette yeah, <laughs> yeah you could be a big talking heads fan it's yeah. true yeah uh but yeah it's, it's about the silhouette so it's to and also you know i mean they're they're big shoulder pads they might make you feel powerful yeah. as true. a smaller a person thing. yeah um <laughs> another funny uh reba moment is when she watches as a kid tugs down his mom's skirt. <laughs> and the mom just pulls it back up like nothing happened. And Reva thinks to herself, kids are a riot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, that's just seeing, that, that mother character is just the most frustrated woman on the planet. You know, just like <laughs> this again. Yeah, exactly. She's used to it. She's yeah. like, oh, God, he pulled down my skirt again. At that point, just wear jeans with a belt. They're harder to tug down. But maybe it's against her religion. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. No, oh, a skirt. like okay. pants. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so um, Riva is not a very good uh, perfume clerk. Uh, she ignores customers when they ask for help. And in fact, she completely turns away from customers to reapply her lipstick. And as she's applying it, she sees like i think before she feels the pain she sees she's looking in a mirror correct and Mm. she sees the blood coming from her lips and she pulls back her lipstick and looks at it and there is a needle in her tube of lipstick this is the stuff of awful urban legend this is an elaborate uh, i guess not prank and then (laughs) on the mirror it says welcome to the wonderful world of uh (laughs) Of having a mouth aids. <laughs> uh, so Reva thinks to herself, you know what? I've used this lipstick before and it was fine. Who Last time I would used it, there wasn't blood all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You'd think, I don't know if I could ever use lipstick again after that, that moment. That's horrifying. And yeah. I don't even use lipstick. Lipstick. Uh. I guess, guys, you guess you need to check your chapsticks and make sure Ooh, that there's not a vengeful... I do need my chapstick, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that freaking me out as a kid, though, and I would check tubes of oh, lipstick. Did that do anything to you, Katie? <laughs> like, would you check things like that? Uh, you know, it didn't really resonate with me. I guess I didn't have as many enemies as Riva, but maybe I should check more often. <laughs> 
I mean, it could be something that someone, some, you know, uh, disgruntled Mac employee does to mm-hmm. get back at their boss. Maybe they're not paid very well and they just don't care about the, the customer and they just shove it in there. And then guess what? Lawsuit. That's true. So that's very yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying maybe we should all check. our. <laughs> I'm sure lipstick. it's happened. So uh, two weeks before this needle incident, Reva is on a date with her boyfriend, Hank Davis. They've been dating for about six months and she decides, you know, what? I'm going to break up with this guy. I'm kind of bored. I'm ready to move on. There is another person I have an interest in and I'm kind of over that. And so whenever she breaks up with him, they are she just pulls over her car like she just stops her car somewhere and she tells him uh, basically she says, I just decided to start the new year with someone more interesting, which is when you say basically, that's exactly what she says. (laughs) Okay, that is. Yeah, I think at first she says this is over and he says what? And that's when she says I've decided you and I are through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then when he doesn't understand then she says the i just want the new to start yeah. the new year with someone more interesting <laughs> she's yeah. bored so he tells her that she'll be sorry so here we have enemy number one mm. suspect number one yeah and she uh, she also says like he has violent tendencies because she says that he pu- oh. punched through a screen door because she he wouldn't yeah. go to an arnold schwarzenegger movie with him and so <laughs> well so he sounds very interesting. Why would she be bored? <laughs> I think she even describes him as a Neanderthal. She's yeah. like, yeah. Um, so she tells Hank to take a walk and makes him get out of her Volvo and drives away and yells happy holidays as she speeds off, abandoning him Cackling. on the outskirts of Shadyside. Yeah. And yeah. she's oh, just God. like <laughs> laughing her head off. <laughs> she speeds off. <laughs> Is okay. she about to get some sort of comeuppance? <laughs> I wonder Katie, have you ever broken up with someone that way? Mm, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> One day. <Okay. laughs> it's coming. It's coming. What about what about you, Jess? Oh no. Neither have I. I've only been dumped. I've mostly been dumped. I've never been the dumper. Wait. Yeah. Now Josh has to answer. Yeah. I'm gonna plead the fifth. <laughs> oh come on. Oh I've, my god! I, Josh has totally abandoned Josh someone in been, a parking lot. No, no happy been. holidays I've, as he sped off. I, I've never done anything that bad. I did break I up with someone on like, Valentine's Day, but... but. Oh. <laughs> well. I mean, at least you got out of not having to buy a gift for that person if you're breaking up with them that day, so... Yeah, but... Pressure you, off. But then you feel really bad when they say, well, here's your gift. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that is bad. Yeah. So, no. uh, Reva has to go back to Dolby's department store and meet her dad, and it's... Past closing. By the way, these characters in this book come and go from the store like they all have keys. Like every single one of them, not just the owner's daughter, you know, not just the security who should have keys. But I feel like the characters are just like, oh, I forgot a bag. I need to go back to the store, even though it's closed and get it. Anyway, I guess maybe they just bang on the door or ring the buzzer (laughs) until like a security person lets them in. Um, But. She's in the um, the department store after hours. It's kind of creepy. She feels something bump her shoulder. It freaks her out. Guess what? It's a mannequin. Um, <laughs> so she goes to her dad's office. I think it's up on, like, the department store is described as being several stories. And I think it has, like, a big space in the middle, kind of like when you're at, like, a really big mall, like a ga- like the Galleria, where it has, like, the, the Christmas tree and, like, an ice skating rink. I don't know if 
Dolby's has the ring, but it does have a gigantic tree. Like a Macy's type, um, right? It's like a Macy's, but I feel like it's really big, like bigger well, like than the New York Macy's. City Macy's. I mean, OK, like, yeah, we'll go. We'll go with that. Yeah. And so she goes to her dad's office and as she is getting there, Mr. Wakely bursts out of her father's office and he is the head of security and he has been fired um, by her father because he has been drinking on the job. But there's so many problems going on at Dobby's right now. A Santa Claus just quit. There's electric problems, like problems with the wiring. It's just so stressful. And so maybe he could have... Uh, just had the drunk be Santa. Don't fire him. <laughs> just, just say okay. Just we need you to do a bad Santa situation this. Uh, exactly. This this holiday. Everyone season. loves a bad. Santa. We can't trust you to be security. We're gonna trust this boy that my daughter just dumped uh, to do that. Oh wait, we don't. We haven't gotten that far I yet. Know. That's a surprise. But is that a surprise? <laughs> but instead, you can just be Santa. It's not hard. You just have to sit there. No, you just sit. Doesn't Mr. Dobby seem really hot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of does. I think I described him as a silver fox in my notes, yeah. even though he's not even. She wrote Zaddy in here? <laughs> single single dad on the loose? Oh, Robert, Reva's, Reva's dad, silver fox. That's exactly what I wrote down okay. in my description. I think even though he's only graying at the temples, I still wrote silver fox. Yeah, he's only 45. Hey, I could date him. He's not out of my age range. Like, I think he should be in more Fear Street books than he is. That's all I'm saying. I think, should we consult with RL and request a spinoff series of Fear Street books yeah. that just follow the parents? Yeah, it's called, it's called Fear Street Key Party. And there's a series of holiday key parties. It's called the, the Ice Storm Fear Street. I mean, these parents have to be doing something most of the time while the kids are out getting murdered and... Uh, doing whatever yeah maybe they're swinging that's why they're always so busy i mean think about the ice storm the most famous yeah. swinging movie i can think of yeah when those kids aren't supervised they're mm -hmm. up to some naughty stuff and even dying yeah, that's, that's how you get dead kids <laughs> the mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do yeah, yeah. the naughtiest thing <laughs> The most sinful. Yeah. yeah. So because of all these issues, right, with people quitting or being fired, for some reason, <laughs> Mr. Dalby lets his daughter do HR work and asks her to recruit some friends for some sales positions or stock clerk positions. I am wondering, does Dalby's not have an HR department? Is there no one there to hire people or is it just his, you know, 16, 17 year old daughter? I would say he just does all the hiring himself normally. But he's like, I need some just bozo kids. All my daughter knows kids. She can hand out some okay. jobs for me. Yeah. So Reva now has this awesome responsibility of handing out jobs. And the first thing she thinks of is giving offering one to a guy she has a crush on named Mitch. Now, Mitch is dating is it Lisa? Yeah. I mean, that's how it's spelled. Lisa I mean, I with two say, S's. Oh, uh, Lisa. Yeah. Is it <laughs> Lisa or Lisa? Katie, you want to weigh in? I would go with Lisa. Maybe it's short for Melissa. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Or oh, yeah. Alyssa. Like, say, if you just don't want to say the uh part. It's yeah. more like Melissa, but you take the M E off and mm -hmm. you've got Lisa. Yeah. So. Anyway, she is like, I'm going to ask Mitch if he wants this job. And so all the way home, she thought about what she would say to Mitch, how she would offer him the job. And 
let him know she was coming on to him. She's got some plans. Mm. Um, so at home, she calls Mitch, and whenever he answers, she says, it's opportunity calling. And she tries to sound, like, really sexy throughout <laughs> this conversation as a, what, 17-year-old girl offering someone a job at a department store as a stock clerk. <laughs> Just like all HR should be conducted as sexily as possible. <laughs> I agree. So... Lissa, of course, is there hanging out with her boyfriend and Mitch is like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Thank you. I need I need a job. I need money. And he asks if Lissa can also have a job because she needs some extra money. And um, Mariva is like kind of upset at first. And then she's like, wait a second. This is going to be so much more fun to steal Mitch away from Lissa and she will have to see it like she's going to oh be God. around. And so she's like, yeah, tell Lissa she has a job and tell her. To wear her very best clothes on Saturday because she'll be working one of the counters, which is one of the primo jobs. When in reality, she's going to be a stock clerk, which as someone who worked in a stock room, you do not want to wear your best clothes. That's a bad idea. And they're going to be ruined. She describes <laughs> all of this as a, quote, hoot. She keeps saying <laughs> anytime she thinks of something terrible she can do to disrupt someone's life, she thinks, what a hoot. It's, yeah. a, it's a riot. <laughs> it's a total riot. Uh, so after her conversation with Mitch, she gets a phone call from Pam, her cousin. Now, Riva is very jealous of her cousin, Pam, even though Pam is poor because Pam, number one, has a mom. Riva no longer has a mom. Her mom was killed. And I believe that's all it says, right? It doesn't say how she died. I mean, in Fear Street, you just assume there's a 50-50 chance that anyone that's dead was murdered. I think she died in a plane crash. Mm, it okay. took Fear Airlines and someone was uh, <laughs> That's, yeah. messing with stuff before. Fear the Air. Went. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Pam is just like really cute, all American cute, and is has like no problems making friends. Like everyone likes Pam. So um, she, Pam is calling to ask for a job. And Riva tells Pam that all the holiday jobs are taken. And then she, Pam ends the conversation and Riva congratulates herself on being such a good liar <laughs> and she's having a really great evening. Like, it's just the best. Just Everything's just working out. Lives. Uh, dumped some dead weight back there. Uh, hired <laughs> the guy I want and the girl so she can watch me steal him. And uh, mm -hmm. blew off my cousin. All in all, perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> Living my best life. I love Wednesdays. They're great. So um, we switched to Pam and Pam is not very happy. And she is like, you know what? I'm going to find a way to pay Riva back. No, we have suspect number two who could possibly be the, the, the needle mm. in the lipstick. Someone her, else grabbing right? a knife and looking at it and saying, I'm going to get that uh, Riva <laughs> if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> so... Um, we now switch to Pam's perspective for, I think, the next chapter. And um, according to Pam, uh, Riva only likes to talk about the things she owned, the fancy exotic places she'd been, scuba diving, and the boy she'd broken up with, which sounds like Riva, honestly. So, I mean, from what I know. Also, she doesn't like um, the Little Drummer Boy song, which Katie, <laughs> you know, read the section at the beginning, so... Um, so she calls Mickey Wakely and decides to meet him and Clay Parker at the 7-Eleven. Now, Mickey Wakely and Clay are kind of uh, maybe not like the um, 
they're not the good boys, right? I think Mickey is maybe a former good boy who's kind of fallen in with Clay, who is a bad boy with a also someone with a, a bad temper who gets violent. And so she goes to meet them at 7-Eleven and um, they're all grabbing junk food and they go to check out and the cashier demands that Clay, all of them actually empty their pockets. And um, he eventually calls Clay a punk and threatens to call the cops and yells at the other employee in the back who we don't see to call the cops. And that's when Clay basically, he assaults the cashier. He like grabs him and pulls him over the counter and um, they can hear police sirens as the cops are coming. So they run out of the 7-Eleven. And for some reason, Clay is driving Pam's Pontiac and he starts a chase with these police officers. So there is a thrilling high-speed chase through the streets of Shadyside. Um, the police are even using their loudspeaker and demanding that these kids pull over. And Pam is like terrified that they will all be shot, uh-huh. you know, and... <laughs> Clay does some really like Fast and Furious type maneuvers. I'm not sure because I'm not like a Fast and Furious. Mm. Katie might know. He goes we straight into space. <laughs> <laughs> we have two uh, huge Fast and Furious fans on the cast. Mm-hmm. Would you say that Clay is behaving like family? <laughs> no, I wouldn't yeah, at all. He's not. I wouldn't want him as part of my crew. He's but taking he is hitting, unnecessary risks. <laughs> he's hitting the nitrous, nitrous and just yeah. like. Mm. Yeah, there's some yeah. flames shooting out the back for sure. <laughs> yeah. And he takes all these unnecessary risks for what? What does he pull out of his jacket when they park the car and they lose the cops? It is a can of jalapeno dip. <laughs> oh, my God. Who amongst us hasn't gone for it, though? <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, he pulls that dip out of his pocket. You know, what a fun night they're all having. And that's when Mickey tells them that his dad was just fired from Dolby's department store. And Pam starts complaining about her cousin saying she can't get a job. And they're all talking. And one of them says, oh, did you know Mitch was just offered a job from Reva? And so was Lissa. And Pam's like, you know what? I'm going to get Reva. Like, this is the second time in the same night that she says this. I'm going to get her. So we're back to Reva. And Reva sees her friend Rob and decides that she is going to play another prank. Now, she has always been friends with Rob and likes him. But and he she like says that he like shadows her and like always kind of had a crush on her. And she would never date him, though, because he's overweight. She says, I couldn't go out with such a buffalo. Oh. So, yeah. Was that something we called people? I don't remember that. I don't rem- I don't think I ever. I mean, that's just cleverness on. Very clever. Uh, clever Very cruelty, good. <laughs> I guess, on RL's part. Yeah, R- RL's um, getting out all of his worst thoughts that he's had, like looking at people through mm-hmm. Reva. Mm-hmm. Attacking the green-haired uh, community, women who wear skirts. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, um, whenever she sees Rob, because he is a larger person, she thinks, "Hmm, you know what? He'd be a great store Santa." And so she pulls over and she tells him, "Hey, I have a special job in mind for you if you are interested, and it's in public relations." Uh- so Rob is like really excited. She like, oh, loves, cool, I got a job. She loves to lie gonna, to people about the jobs they're getting. You're going <laughs> to trick someone into being a Santa. 
because once you show um, up once you show up to a job and it's not the job you wanted you're stuck. it's too late yeah you have to do it like that's for life you said yes yeah. to a 16 year old girl on the phone so i just found it funny that um you know, having like a round belly isn't the only qualification for being a Santa. Like to me, it would be strange to be sitting on the lap of a boy who was obviously in high school as opposed to like a Santa aged person. Exactly. Yeah. Santas need to be like in their, what, 50s at least? Yeah. At least. 50s Maybe late 90. 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that guy yeah. that used to be on the old Conan show named Oldie Olsen? Yeah, just I a very scrawny Olsen. guy, but he would make mm-hmm. a good Santa because he's just an He'd old be guy with Santa. a beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, being looking, old I'm is more important than having a bowl full of jelly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I agree because you can always fake the bowl full of jelly, but see, Riva thinks she's so smart because you know what? They won't even have to give him padding. So yeah, anyway, kids tug the beard. They don't Pillsbury yeah. Doughboy you. Uh, well, that's kind of a plot point that we're yeah, going to get to true. later. Maybe someone does Pillsbury Doughboy, the Santa. Oldie Olson looks very upsetting and not like he might scare children. <laughs> I don't know that I'd, I'd want him as my Santa. Okay, Blake. He's in a lot of memes these days. Just saying. Okay. I, I looked him up. So Reva goes back home and she hangs out with her little brother, Michael. And after she puts him down to bed, she settles down with an issue of Vogue and here's a loud knock on the door. So it is Hank at the door, her ex-boyfriend, and he has come there to ask for a job. He's heard that she's just handing out jobs <laughs> at Dolby's and he wants one too. And Riva tells him, no, they kind of get in like an argument. He grabs her arm and Riva lets out a whistle and sicks her dog on him. <laughs> they have Dogs. They might even have the dogs with the bees in the mouths from like the Simpsons. Does anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shoot bees at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the dog is named King, and he ends up chasing Hank all the way down to the street. And Hank says, "I'm gonna pay you back." Oh wait, he was our first one. I almost said three. (laughs) They all keep saying it more than once, though. (laughs) In case you missed the first time, masterclass lesson. Once your character said, "I will get them," make sure they say it a second time, just so you know they're serious. Yeah, it's the rule of twos and threes. I mean, how how many times did Cruella make it clear that she had an intention to get those dogs and make coats out of them? A lot. That she hated Dalmatians. Then, of course, we had to find out why she hated Dalmatians. It's because they killed her mom. Yeah, that's always the way. Spoilers for Cruella. Yeah, sorry. sorry. One of one yeah. of my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but was the fashion good? Because yeah, no, I like that movie. Oh, okay. Oh. Cool. I'll watch it then. I think my mom bought it, so we can watch it. Wow. Um. So re- it's it's Saturday. The Saturday has come where all of Riva's little pranks are going to be made known to the the victims and she goes to work it's 8 30 she actually gets there on time because she's too excited and whenever they're all hanging out i guess in their pre-opening meeting whatever um lissa arrives to work and she is very dressed up she is wearing a gray wool skirt a silk blouse and blazer and high heels like she is way high too heels. professional maybe because it's just a department store job. shoulder pads <laughs> but, yeah. but she thinks yeah. she, and she thinks she's gonna be like a, a 
like in Mad Men when someone would be like a shop girl, right? And they're dressed really nice. Mm-hmm. That's the job. Right. I'm, I'm thinking. Or, I said Mad Men. I'm thinking of uh, Miss Maisel. <laughs> but, but that kind <laughs> well, of well, it's the same, you know, same era. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they had shop girls in the '90s, according to a Steve Martin. Yeah, book, according to shop Claire Dane says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, this um, is this has nothing to do with anything. But sometimes Bill uh-huh. Maher used to rant, and he'd say, "You can't get a job and make a living anymore as a shop girl." Which, which, what century is he living in? I think one in which he misses talking to twenty-year-old women at fancy stores. But he yeah. he used to yeah. always argue that, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> anyway, that's all. Gosh, okay, thanks, Bill. Uh, so um, Riva starts laughing hysterically when she sees Alyssa in her best attire, and Donald, who is the head of the stockroom, is like. Mm, we don't normally dress up for this position, so you might want to go home and change. Man, that that prank went off like gangbusters, <laughs> let me tell you. Who's the idiot? I mean, uh, and then, all of this oh. is funny because I'm going to lie to these people and embarrass them at this job I'm giving them. And they'll all know it's me. Like, I'm not doing anything other than <laughs> right. doing something mean to them that they will know is me and not like me because I did it. But that's just... How I live my life. She's just wild. She's like living that, her yeah. life a quarter mile at a time. If anyone is uh, <laughs> familiar, it is her. She's, it's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, then Rob comes into the room and he is holding the Santa suit and he confronts Riva. And this is when she says, but you're perfect for Santa. You won't even need any padding. That is not nice, Riva. No. That's not something you say to your friends. No. I thought he was your friend. Ugh. Anyway, so that's when Rawson, the, the head of the stockroom, calls out Riva and he says, I see you're up to your old tricks. <laughs> yeah. I, I see you're being cruel for no reason. Classic you. <laughs> Classic Riva. So um, that's when uh, Mitch is surprised that Riva is a salesperson and she's not in the stockroom like everyone else. And that's when she says, Daddy, Daddy wanted me to start at the bottom, but I refused. And Rawson is getting his assignments ready and she walks over to him and says loudly enough for Mitch to hear that he needs to make sure that Lissa and Mitch are in different departments. I'm hoping she delivered that sexually as well. Mm. My guess is probably yes. And as she walks away, she is thinking to herself, you know what? Despite all my horrible jokes, they are so grateful to me because I got them these jobs. Like who would be mad at me? Here's the other thing. How eager are most teens during their like two or three week break from school (laughs) for (laughs) Christmas to get a quick job stock do it as a stock person or anything really? You know, like jobs didn't seem like a hard thing to come by as a teen. It's just if you want to do it or not. 1991, it's it's Reagan's economy, which it still is now. And uh, I think Shadyside is basically there's one rich family and that is the Dalbys and everyone else is um, economically stunted and poor. <laughs> and so these kids need jobs to help their parents. Did we, we have gotten looks at the economy here before, haven't we? A little bit. Yeah. A lot of quarry work so- based on bodies being buried in the quarry. So there, you're right. It's, it's, <laughs> it, there is a working class element in Shadyside. I think it's very Rust Belty. Yeah, it's like you know, Pittsburgh. I always got that impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, Factories are closing. So, we got nothing to do but murder each other. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so as she is walking to her job at the perfume counter, she is grabbed and pulled into a supply closet. But it's Hank. Guess what? He did get a job. He is working in the security department and watching security monitors. And that's when he says, I'll be watching you, Reva. I'll have 12 monitors. I'll be watching every move you make. Not creepy at all, buddy. And she tells him, that's the perfect job for you. Watching 12 boob tubes all day. (laughs) (laughs) Great burn, Reva. Why don't people call it that anymore? I was thinking about that. We need to bring it back. (laughs) it maybe fell out of fashion when we stopped calling people, people boobs. boobs. Yeah, because yeah, even yeah. as a kid when I heard that, I related it. I thought it meant because people were watching bad things was on like, it. Because it has boobs yeah, on it? Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Is That's why it's bad. Yeah, We should bring it back. The, the boob screen. Let's reclaim boobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For um, the right yeah. reasons. <laughs> um, it's funny that how she talks towards everyone. Like, she's gone from not just wanting to break up with this guy because he's boring to actively hating him <laughs> you know like she just disrespects everyone so completely all the time like she dumped him <laughs> and now Honestly, she's like i hate you you're an idiot you're too stupid to live i wish i had a little bit of that though because there are people like i katie might have the same um kind of upbringing where just girls are taught to always be nice you know, and that can really get you into predicaments that aren't good. So I would, th- I wish I had a little bit of healthy uh, go fuck yourself <laughs> that Reva has, which I don't have at all. Um, yeah, but so she, I, I will say, has it in every situation with people who don't need to fuck themselves. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't say I wanted it all the time. Yeah, just yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking yeah. about you. I'm talking about her. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Uh, we switch back to Pam. She's hanging out again with Clay and Mickey. Her boyfriend, Foxy. That's what she calls her boyfriend, uh. Foxy. He's at work. She talks about him a lot. We never really get to see him because she's always hanging out with these boobs, Clay and Mickey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, Mickey, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mickey is telling them that his dad has been drinking nonstop since he lost his job. And um, Clay confesses to them that he's been working on a little plan with the night security guard at Dolby's and they are going to rob Dolby's and get back at Reva and her dad. So we'll get back at Reva for not hiring you and we'll get back at her dad for firing Mickey's dad. So he's got this plan. Um, and what are they going to be stealing? <laughs> I think just A lot like of money, CD players uh, and what? bomber Gold? jackets and uh, CDs probably, maybe some TVs. Probably toasters. They're basically doing, what was that show? <laughs> Supermarket Sweep? Mm-hmm. You know, they're basically doing that because they're not allowed to steal money. They're just supposed to take clothes mm-hmm. and things they want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Giant the boombox. Boomboxes. Yeah. 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 CD players. Yeah. Um, and the guard is cool with it because he's basically just going to give them a list of things he wants that they will get for him. And then whenever they leave... They'll make it look like they messed around with him a little bit, tied him up. That's how they got in and got the goods. And um, then he'll set the alarm off, which will give them time to get away. Perfect crime. Um, and yeah. And, and Clay is like, look, it's like Robin Hood, man. We're stealing from the rich and we're giving the poor boom boxes. <laughs> so That's exactly what Robin Hood said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
you know, Pam kind of considers it. She's like, you know, I've had years of being treated as inferior by Reva. Um, and she's still kind of hesitant. And Clay is like, well, Pam, why don't you just drive us? And she's like, okay. So Pam yeah, I'll, is going to be, be an accessory driver. to a crime that I just won't do it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Foxy shows up and Pam is like, guys, we're not going to tell Foxy about our little um, plan to rob Dobby's. Don't want to involve Foxy in this. So um, Pam and Reva have a phone conversation. Reva is inviting Pam to a Christmas Eve thing that they have every year. And she complains about her job to provoke Pam. Um, But Reva is having problems at work. All of her flirtations are not being noticed by Mitch. He is not picking up what she is putting down, if that makes any sense. So she uh, decides to be a little bit more bold. And at work, she finds Mitch in the electronics department stockroom. And he keeps she keeps moving closer and closer to him as she is uh, not so subtly uh, flirting. <laughs> and he keeps backing up. But eventually she does get close enough to him to kiss him. And makes it really showy for the security cameras, hoping that Hank can see. And who walks into the stock room while they are kissing? None other than Lissa. <laughs> <laughs> while his face is smeared with her lipstick. Mm-hmm. And by the way, her lips are still in good condition, I think, because she hasn't gotten the needle lipstick yet. That's, like that incident, yeah. I don't think That's has a, happened yet. Yeah, flash forward. Or flashback. Yeah. So her lips are still really good for kissing. They don't hurt or anything. They're not scabby. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing your lips would be scabby after you rub them with a needle. Anyway, um, Lissa is, ob- you know, I mean, most upset as she should be and tells Lissa, you know what? I mean, sorry, tells Reva, you know what? You can't just play with people and storms away and Mitch follows. Which annoys anyway, her. She- She's really annoyed that he's such a wimp. She's like, why are you following her? Yeah. Because she, why are you following her? Yeah. Why aren't you staying here making out with me? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's part of um, that's part of her whole thing, right? Is she wants to humiliate Lissa. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, she keeps trying to stop him from going to talk to Lissa, but eventually she goes does go back to the counter because Miss Smith will kill me. She'll probably clobber me with her shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Reva. Um, On her way back to the counter, she sees Rob as Santa and watches as a kid sneezes in his face and thinks, what a riot. Poor Rob will be wiping snot off his face for a week. (laughs) I mean, in COVID times, that's not a very nice thing to to say anymore. Well, it wasn't then either. Gross. But now it's even worse. So when she gets to the perfume counter, there is a package waiting for her and she ignores customers who are asking for help to open this package. And she pulls out a heavy bottle full of like a dark liquid and thinks it's perfume. She removes the stopper and places the liquid on a finger and it's blood. It's not perfume. She drops the bottle. The bottle shatters and blood just splashes up all over her. And this is when we get a little bit of background to Riva. Um... And a repressed memory that she remembers. She was attending a private kindergarten in a luxury building. I want to put that out there. And she was doing like painting with another little girl. And she got into an argument with her. The girl's name was Sarah. And 
the little girl dumps a whole can of red paint on Reva's head. But Reva convinced herself that it was blood and not paint and screamed for hours after and begged her mother to wash away the blood. She was having like some Lady Macbeth type <laughs> issues there, right? So she just did a carry? She got carried? She got carried as a five-year-old, but it was with paint and it was because she was fighting it. Honestly, knowing Reva, it was probably deserved. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with Carrie. Deserved. <laughs> no, Carrie did not deserve that. Um, but this has led to her kind of repressing emotions, that and the unfortunate death of her mother. Um, so she is trying to control her emotions. She doesn't want anyone to know how upset she is about this incident and tells herself, I don't feel anything. And someone's like, I think she thinks there's like a gift card or something. There's like a little envelope and she picks it up. And she opens it and it says, happy holidays from a friend. And she immediately thinks Hank did this. Who else could it be? Who else hates her? Only one person. Hank. So she goes to confront Hank. And after talking to him, she becomes less certain that he is the person who did this. And then she tries to go talk to her dad, but he's in a very important meeting. And she decides to go home to change. And that's when she hears a pop, 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 pop sound like a machine gun. <laughs> It's a, Which it's a new way for RL America. to end a chapter. We don't get a lot of machine gun firings. <laughs> it's better than a mannequin or someone grabbing you and pulling you into a closet or something. Um, but I will say, in today's uh, America at the mall, this yeah, could yeah, yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, a kid could have a machine gun and shoot everyone. Um, so... Reva here screams. Her dad runs out of the meeting and he sees Reva covered in blood and thinks she was shot and he passes out. So they find out that the sound was actually Christmas tree lights because a string had shorted out and it caused all these lights to pop. Would it be that loud? Lights no. popping? Okay. They can be. Christmas lights? It could like be if, loud. Like if each bulb is popping, possibly, depending on the size of the lights. That hasn't happened since the Chevy Chase movie, I don't think. I don't think that really happens anymore and, and with modern lights. Well, they were having problems with their electricity. So it's something to do with that. Like maybe there was a surge or something and it caused all the lights to pop. Also, um, how hot is your silver fox now in a crisis? Hey, guys. <laughs> he sees his daughter desperately needed, passes out. Little baby. <laughs> He's like the dad in Force Mate. What was that movie? Force Majeure. Force Majeure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who, whenever there's an avalanche, just pushes his family out of the way and runs. <laughs> he's that dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess he's not so hot now. But he was for a while. It was a good run. So anyway, uh, she goes home to change, even, even though her dad is like, Hey, why don't you just get a sweater from the store? And she's like, like, I would ever shop at this tacky place, Dad. <laughs> uh, goes from the change. I read Vogue, Dad. <laughs> Dad, I got to go put on my Alexander McQueen sweater. Um, she goes home to change and she notices she's being followed by a white Taurus and it follows her all the way home. And when she gets home, she realizes she doesn't have like her garage door opener to get into the garage. And this car parks behind her like on the, in the driveway and she gets out and she leaps out of her car to run to the door and the man gets out of her car and he's big and tough looking and he is running after her this is also something that stein likes to do right where he has men who are big and intimidating looking 
who follow these young teenage girls all the way to their homes just to say, oh, you lost your wallet or, oh, you know, yeah, I yeah. this this would never happen. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think here's the situation. This dude hit her car in the parking lot and broke her taillight and he wanted to tell her and he had been trying to signal her. But instead, he sent her into a panic, which, yeah, that sounds normal. If a dude is following me all the way home, I'm going to panic. Um, I'd give up after a few feet, probably. <laughs> Look, I'm flashing my lights at her. I'm uh, signaling and doing a throat slash thing. Yeah, I can't but... figure out why she's so afraid of me. <laughs> I was trying to show that her tires <laughs> could be slashed. <laughs> <laughs> Making the universal slashing motion. So um, anyway, she's like, you're losing it. Reva, no, you're not. This adult man should not have been following a young girl all the way to her home. I'm sorry. He could have uh, just lost a note. Exactly. <laughs> also, I have a feeling that people know who Reva is in this town, and you've just been like, oh, it's a Dolby effort. I'm not going to care about her taillight. <laughs> she can afford it. Who cares? Go home. Um. So it's the night of the robbery, and Pam is the getaway driver, and she's driving them all to Dolby's, and everyone is nervous. Pam can barely drive. At one point, she even pulls over because she's like, I can't do this, guys. Like, I just I just can't. And Clay's like, hey, if it makes you feel better, instead of waiting in the car while we rob the store, why don't you come inside the store with us so you're not alone? And um, you don't have to steal anything. You can just come in. That way you're not in your car alone while we are robbing the place. And she's like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So... They continue their journey to Dobby's. Um, as they are driving, they go over their plan one more time, right? So they're supposed to park at the third loading dock, go into the receiving room, meet the night guard, Maywood, in the electronics department. They can then take what they want along with Maywood's list, put it in Pam's car. Then they make it look like they overpowered Maywood. They will drive back to Clay's and put the stolen goods in his garage. And as they enter the building, Clay introduces a new element into the plan. He pulls out his pistol. Cool. So they make their way through the store and they head to the electronics department. No one is there at all. Uh, there is no Maywood. So they just decide they're going to start taking the stuff that they want. And Clay is kind of mad that he didn't include a bag or a cart to cart out like all the things that they've stolen. Hasn't seen supermarket sweep yeah. then. Yeah. Rookie <laughs> mistake. Yeah. <laughs> really is. But they're in a department store. He could just go find a bag. They're right by the Santa display. They could have taken Santa's bag. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. They could have just gone and gotten like a whole set of coach luggage or something and loaded oh, yeah. it up. Right? I'll say so, this is one of the reasons I'm not that afraid of um, my bookstore getting uh, broken into. Books are so annoying to move. You know what I mean? Like, you can steal some stuff, but you're not going to get that much. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's too much of a hassle. It really is. And also, as someone who buys books and sells them, I know they have no resale value. So it's not even worth your time to go in and steal books to try to resell them. Yeah. Unless they're, like, unless, rare first yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you If you're one yeah. of those stores that has a ton of, like, collectible stuff. That's the thing is, most people who would do, probably do a smash and grab job on a bookstore probably aren't going to know, you know, like what's the most valuable thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Th they won't know to go down and check the basement of Mooney's books um, in the uh, weird cage <laughs> where they store uh, their rare books, but also um, humans that Joe wants to kill. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. You're in for more than you bargain for when you uh, 
when you break in there. Yeah. Josh has one of those, right? In the basement? Yeah, you get, you get a, a first edition of Treasure Island that is uh, being repaired. And also just a, just a girl he thought was pretty. <laughs> yeah. So um, Pam hears a sound, but no one else does. And she turns back and she sees a uniformed guard that is approaching Mickey and Clay. And she thinks it's Maywood. But the cop greets them. And it's obviously not Maywood. So everyone decides to run. Whenever Pam turns back, she sees Clay pointing the gun at the guard. And the guard has out his gun. And then shots ring out and the guard falls. And this is when Pam thinks to herself, goodbye, Santa Land. Goodbye, Christmas. Goodbye, childhood. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) And they all run out of the store thinking that Clay just murdered someone. Yeah, you you usually can't tell at the exact moment when, you know, childhood is over and I have to give up Mm -hmm. on Christmas things. But when you're involved in a uh, Christmas-related homicide... When you're still in high school, it, that's probably the marker of mm-hmm. I'm an adult now. And you stop believing in Santa. Yeah, well, he, well <laughs> even if I believed in him, he's probably dead now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when the gang goes out to the loading dock, their car is gone. Oh, no. Oh, wait, they went out the wrong exit. The car is still where they left Just it. the was worst, chapter the break? worst yes, cliffhanger was... in this oh entire my God. book. <laughs> our car is gone. <laughs> um, so oh, no, there's someone in home. our car. Oh, oh, no, it's the mannequin we left there. To... <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> so they drive home um, and they are kind of just, you know, in disbelief of what happened. And... Um, the next morning, whenever Pam wakes up, she is sure that they are caught. And when she gets up, her parents aren't at home. So she's listening to the radio. There's a news bulletin on the radio, and it says, the announcer says, Ed Javers, a veteran security guard, was fatally shot. The burglars got away with 25 k from a main floor office safe. Shadyside police have assigned four men to the case. I'll have today's Tri-City weather forecast in a moment. Great transition there. <laughs> Don't... Um, Sorry. Don't newspapers no, famously not report how much money gets stolen in robberies for so people don't or is that just banks? Am I making that up? Oh, so they don't want people to know how much money is like on hand in a department store or whatever. You just don't like if you if you're Dude, like, hey, yeah, someone I, I've stole. never heard uh, amounts. Uh, well, at this point, it's it's not a newspaper. It's a news bulletin on the radio. So I don't know what radio standards are for reporting mm, much, uh, much stolen lower. goods. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They just heard something on the police scanner. It's one of those like guys. And yeah, it's just like yeah. hey, it's like an Alex Jones type in the town. It's like, here's what I'm hearing <laughs> off the wire. They stole twenty five thousand dollars and they they plugged a jabber in the back. So uh she hears though that all this money was stolen, but they didn't steal any money. What is going on? So Pam calls Clay. Clay tells her, guess what? You know what? My gun wasn't even loaded. Why didn't he tell them that last night, by the way? Made it more dramatic. Okay, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> um, so someone else was in there with them that night that was robbing the store. And that person was the one who killed Ed. And Pam wants to go to the police, but Clay says, look, no one's going to believe that we were in the store after hours and didn't take anything. Like, they're not going to buy that. Um, So Reva and her hot dad, her hot uh, weenie dad, are talking about the uh, burglary on the way to work. And the dad 
is going over like some unanswered questions like how did robbers get in the store because there's no sign of a break-in how did they know about the safe on the first floor was it an inside job and Javers was shot in the back how if he was facing the burglars was he shot in the back shouldn't he have been facing the burglars why would he have run away also twenty five thousand dollars is just not enough like in my what year is this because you'd have to split it Oh, yeah, 1991. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it's the same reason. You have to split it with the night guard. It's the same reason when I look at those Spotify amounts that bands get paid, being in a ska band is not economical. Too many people. You got to be in a solo project. You can't you can't split those Spotify number <laughs> that money seven or eight ways with the horn section. Get rid of them, be pop punk. You got two two people who just dance. And that's, and that's all they do. They're, they're getting those numbers back and sitting down the boss tone and saying, you know, <laughs> you've danced your last dancer. No. <laughs> Listen, you're not contributing to the album. You don't get the Spotify money. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. You don't get points on the record, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> um, at lunch, Mitch comes and says, asked to talk to Reva. So he takes her to the stock room and he kisses her and he tells Reva, hey, guess what? Lissa broke up with me. Let's go on a date. And Reva's like, no, thank you. You're a wiener. Like, I don't <laughs> want to date you. <laughs> and that's when Mitch says, you can't do this to people. This is like the third or fourth time that she's heard this. And guess what? She can. She can. Because she always has. I think she even yeah. says that. Uh, I can because I just did. Or maybe she thinks that. <laughs> but yeah. No, she's right. She can. She. I broke you and your girlfriend up. And no, I don't want to date you. Bye. <laughs> Leave me alone now. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been uh, such a wiener around Lissa. And then he could have Reva on his arm for maybe about six months. So whatever. Um, so Pam, in the meantime, keeps trying to call Reva. This time it's not about a job. She just wants to get the inside goss about the burglary and about what they know. Um, so Reva just keeps avoiding Pam's calls. She doesn't want to talk to her. And when she gets back from uh, being horrible to Mitch at lunch, she has another present. This one in a large box. And she opens it up and it's a corpse. Chapter break. Uh, it's a mannequin. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. There's there's a mannequin in there. Um, and she has another card. I think everyone's like, oh, look, there's a gift card. Um, and she picks it up and it says, again, happy holidays from a friend. So who is doing this? Who could possibly want to torment Reva? Who? But I don't know. Ev- literally everyone that. loves her. Like, this makes no sense. Yeah. Her dad mm-hmm. is rich. She is rich. She is cool. Why would they do this? I don't know. I have no clue. So uh, we cut to Pam. Pam is hanging out with Mickey and Clay at the Wakeleys, and Mr. Wakeley is not improving. Although Mickey does say that he goes out for beers now instead of downing them at the kitchen table. So maybe that's an improvement. I don't know. Um, And they discuss their burglary. Uh, Clay can't reach Maywood. Pam can't reach Reva to get the gossip. And the phone rings. Keep in mind, they're at the Wakeleys. And Pam reaches out to answer it. That's not your house. You don't answer the phone at someone else's house. <laughs> That's not polite. Unless you're babysitting. <laughs> no. It is rude and awkward. Like, don't do that. <laughs> if I'm calling the Wakeleys, I expect to be answered by Mickey or Mr. Wakeley. Or if there's a Mrs. Wakeley, a Mrs. Wakeley. <laughs> Who is this chi- this girl answering the phone? I don't know this person. But it doesn't matter because there's just kind of a creepy voice that says, I saw what you did and I want my share. Could you say that in a creepier voice, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, do you want me to? Blake, Mm -hmm. you say it. 
No, you, I want to hear your creepy voice. Okay. <laughs> We've all heard my creepy voice. <laughs> Don't laugh. Okay. I saw what you did. <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy. And I want my share. That's weird. Was that a little better? I was thinking oh through gosh. like gritted teeth. That was perfect. Did you get some chills? Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Sound like a boy. <laughs> so uh, Pam is hanging out with Foxy and the phone rings and it's the same person who is saying that I want my share. Um, this person wants $10,000 or they are calling the police and Pam tries to tell him in a way that Foxy won't pick up on that there is no money, but... Eventually, she just loses her cool, and Foxy overhears Pam's side, and he is concerned, and Pam confesses to Foxy about the burglary and tells him, I just got so tired of being poor and so so jealous of Reva, I guess. So Foxy suggests that they go see Clay, and when they get to Clay's house, um, Pam tells Clay and Mickey all about the phone call, and Clay says, whoever he is, I'll kill him. So that's cool. So we cut to Reva. It is a Saturday. Uh, she is getting ready to work. Oh, wait. Hmm? Hold on. Oh, but, 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 but. Oh, out of order. Out of order. Sorry. Okay. But, you know, Reva is at work. <laughs> so I'm glad I started that way. Um, and she confronts Hank again. I believe it's this time about the mannequin and asks him to stop his pranks. And he denies any involvement. Um, and this is when he tells Reva that he doesn't hate her. He feels sorry for her. He says, anyone could have sent you those things. You don't have a friend in the world, Reva. Everyone hates you. Everyone. I can think of 10 people who hate you enough to put a needle in your <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and Reva, he asked her to name one friend. And Reva's like, like, she can't uh, do it. She, she can't name one friend. It's really sad. That's pathetic, man. Yeah, but she does have a bitchin' wardrobe, so I don't uh, know. Who needs, a, who needs friends? Who needs friends when you got money? Yeah. You know? And a wardrobe. Um, and she becomes vulnerable around Hank, which is not something that normally happens. We never see a vulnerable mm, side. That, with her brother a little bit, he kind of makes... Well, she's he kind of makes her a little bit, you know, because she does think, oh, poor kid, you know, doesn't, doesn't have a mom. Have a mom. Yeah. Yeah, they they shove him off on the babysitter, Yvonne. That's his nanny. But he does keep begging her to take him to see Santa Claus. And she's like, next time. I don't have time. Next well, time. She's, she's busy. So she, keep... she has relationships to destroy, uh, mm -hmm. perfume not to sell, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, other evil things to do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, she just has repressed all of her feelings after her mom died. You know, she has no time for friends or emotions. Um, and then we cut back to Pam, who still can't contact Reva. And Foxy's line is also busy, but she decides to walk to Foxy's. And as she is walking to Foxy's, she is grabbed from behind and dragged off the sidewalk into a yard behind a tall hedge. Um, a lot of grabbing women from behind in R.L. Stein books. I think I always kind of expected it. He's got a thing. And I've never been grabbed from behind and... and pulled into any dark room or behind a tall hedge. Have you ever, Katie? Ooh, that sounds mm. terrifying. Josh, have you? Uh, no. <laughs> um, Arl Stein always kind of made me think that that would happen at some point in my life <laughs> because it happens so often to his characters. Um, 
So the attacker, she can't see who it is, repeats, I saw what you did. I was there Friday night and is still demanding $10,000, even though Pam says they have no money. She manages to uh, get away and she sees who her attacker is. But we don't know. Thanks a lot, RL. Attacked Um, by a mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily, a car comes. A spider web. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luckily, though, a car comes along and scares away her attacker, um, and the car stops. It's Foxy. And she tells Foxy, you won't believe who's blackmailing us. So we're back at work with Reva. She is thinking about her conversation with Hank. And this is when, you know, I will say that Reva is at least very self-aware of being a bully and a kind of a horrible person. Because she said, she thinks to herself, she'd always thought that there was something stupid and thick-headed about Hank. But that was only because it was necessary for her to feel superior to other people. (laughs) (laughs) So I do like that she's aware that she has a complex, that she mm-hmm. has this need to feel superior to, to people. So she makes her way to the electronic stockroom and she hears a scuffle. And when she walks in, Mitch and Rob are fighting and Rawson, the stock um, room manager, stops them. And Mitch says, Rob is crazy. He started it for no reason. So later on that day, Reva t- does finally take her little brother to visit Santa and after his visit with Santa, he tells Reva that Santa was a fake. He said, it's not a real stomach. There's a pillow in there. I felt it. Um, when she goes back to her counter, there's another package for her. And she opens it. And inside this box is it's actually a real body this time, guys. It's Mitch's body. It's crumpled up in the bottom of the carton. And she knows it's real because there's a large kitchen knife shoved between his shoulder blades. So somehow between the time of the initial fight and between the time that it took for her to take her brother to Santa, Mitch was murdered, shoved in a box, and the box was delivered to her at her perfume counter where she works. (laughs) And no one... You would think if someone was stabbed, there'd be a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be messy. Yeah. And it's a cardboard box. Oh, yeah, it'd be leaking. It'd be, it'd be leaking. Those things aren't, like, watertight no. <laughs> or blood tight, you know? So, I don't know how no one noticed. Like, like who was this person who just stuck it on a dolly and delivered it? And weren't they like, man, this is, like, a really weird, heavy package. It's all kind Wait, of are we, weighted are we in the bottom. Are we certain that this is not a mannequin? No, we're certain. This is a real body. That that would explain the no blood, but now I just don't know. In fact, she thinks to herself, why would someone murder Mitch and gift wrap him for her? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, the cops are there. There's an investigation. um, And, you know, the day is finally over and she goes home and goes to bed. And just before 2 a.m., she wakes up and she she has like a light bulb in her head. And she's like, I know who killed Mitch. So we cut to Pam hanging out at Mickey's again. <clears throat> and Pam asks if Clay killed Mitch. I guess the news just spreads all over because we find out that Mitch was the person who was blackmailing um, Pam and her friends. But Pam and Mickey don't believe Clay whenever he denies that he killed them. He says, I wanted to, but then I thought about it. I decided he wasn't worth it. He was just a worm. Why should I mess up <laughs> my life on account of a worm? <laughs> Whoa. Good excuse. Brutal. Yeah. So uh, Clay and Mickey get in an argument and they get kind of in a fight and Mr. Wakely comes in and yells at them. And Pam notices that since the time he lost his job, he seemed to have aged 10 years and just seems to be completely out of control. So 
Cut back to Riva. Um, it's Saturday morning, and Riva tells her dad she has an idea about the murder but needs to show him. So they get to this department store, and Riva asks Hank to uh, if she can see the security tapes from yesterday, specifically the Santa Land area. So here's my question. How good were surveillance cameras in 1991 that you could clearly see someone's face on a <laughs> monitor? I mean, some of them. Depends on how close. I mean, I still yeah. don't think they're that good now. They were they were pretty bad. <laughs> some then. are super were, good. And some now. are the some are terrible. You know what I mean? Like some are just like look like digital yeah. TV and some are still like those like just like the the you know those fake ones I have in my store <laughs> that are not recording anything. Some are just like that kind of thing. So you're saying that the the cameras and bookmarks are fake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I but I also told you earlier. Don't make steal away, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um the cameras at Barnes and Noble are fake. We called them the Big Brother Globes. The one I worked at and we would have to like occasionally like get up on ladders and dust them. Well, I never did, but like the cleaning people would. But they did finally put in real cameras whenever it was kind of like towards once you the get the end, but they were all they were all fo- <laughs> yeah, once the Funkos came in. Yeah. They were all focused on the employees. Like at the cash yeah. registers. All employee facing. In the stock room and in the cash room. There were none that were like facing customers. It was all employee facing cameras. Oh my gosh. The ones they were willing to lose any amount of stock. The the yeah. ones we got at Campbell sixteen were mostly used to focus on us because, uh, I mean they were focused everywhere, but the managers would use it to follow where we were at all times to yell at us, or sometimes they'd get on the uh, intercom and be like, "So like the cameras at Campbell sixteen? Why did you have cameras at Campbell? 16? I don't remember because we got robbed. <laughs> this may have been oh. after Blake's time. Yeah. Um, I was the one who robbed it. <laughs> <laughs> so after I was fired, they installed them. Yeah, yeah they was got. This the place, mm-hmm. Was this the place where you stole the nacho cheese? Mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. even Katie knows this. <laughs> yes. Why is why is even Katie is repeating this? They're, they're I think true we've facts. talked about it on here before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a real thing that There's happened. There's gonna be a. We need a true crime podcast series about. About Blake and the nachos? About me and the, the nacho cheese that never happened. <laughs> well, you I'm, debunk I'm it, Blake. The, Snopes I'm tells me it's true. Of the, <laughs> I'm, I'm Adnan of this story. Well, they put Ooh. in they put in uh, cameras and the they would use it to watch us to like tell us, like, get cleaning. And sometimes they get on the loudspeaker and like call out people who were down the halls and tell them to do stuff. They were just... Incredibly lazy management there. Oh, oh God. Yeah. So I guess you guys couldn't just goof off anymore. We well, you just had to hide anymore. in different places. Open up all the popcorn. Yeah, we just knew where all the cameras yeah. were pointed. Yeah, that's true. Hide behind standees. Well, that's the thing. Is like when you when you put cameras and track your employees, your employees are going to know and just know where to hide. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not yeah. going to really. Just, they're just going to hate you and more. The, yeah, they're going to hate you more. Than they already did. I really hated having it in the receiving room because I was a bad receiving clerk who would like just stand there and right. thumb through a book or a magazine <laughs> instead of working. Like I'm just like, ooh, new Vogue. <laughs> um, in fact, I think there was even a period where uh, I had like a weird shift where I'd work like 11 to 4 and then I'd leave to go to like a, a night class and I'd come back like, I don't know, like and finish up my shift. And at one point, I was just, I remember just being really tired and I just sat down between like the carts of books and just laid my head on a cart and took a little half hour nap on the clock. I see why you like Reva. I'm proud of myself for that. 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we both have the same work ethic. So yeah, that's us. <laughs> um, so anyway, Riva asks to see the security footage tapes from yesterday, specifically the Santa land area. And she has him pause it so she can study the Santa's face. And it's not Rob. It is someone else. He has pure countryed the situation. Has anyone seen pure country? I have not. Anyone know what I'm talking George about? Strait, no. isn't he in that? Is- it's a George Strait movie, yeah. He he walks away from his thriving country career because he, I think it's because he falls in love with like a normal woman and wants to spend time with her. A normal woman. <laughs> well, a non-famous country singer. <laughs> a non-famous person. And so uh, they have a replacement who takes over oh for him that like lip syncs. That and, sounds great. Yeah. And so basically that's what uh, Rob has possibly done. Um, and she got this idea to check the cameras because of her little brother's comment about how the Santa needed padding um, because Rob doesn't need a pillow. He's a real chub, as she describes him. He's a freaking buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, Rob and Mitch had gotten into a fight in the stockroom. So um, I guess someone calls the cops because the next thing you know, there's a traumatizing scene where the cops raid the Santa land in front of all these children. (laughs) (laughs) They go and they pull this teenage Santa off of his Santa throne and are arresting him. By the way, this is the last Saturday before Christmas. It is super busy, you know, and all these children are probably scarred for life at seeing the Santa. And all, they pull off his beard and everything. I'm picturing this as like a SWAT team raid. Guns drawn. <laughs> people coming through the windows. Yeah. Knocking over elves and stepping <laughs> on their necks. Yeah. So, um... By the way, they're 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 treating this Santa like he's a hardened criminal when it's like a 16 year old boy. You know, they don't even have like any real proof of anything other than someone else took over his position for a little bit. Um, And then Pam is there and starts yelling, Foxy, no. And that's when you realize, oh, Rob is Foxy, her boyfriend. Stupid name, Foxy. That's my takeaway. At least she doesn't call him Buffalo. She's not like, hey, Buffy, you know, it's Foxy. <laughs> so and also maybe one person's Buffalo is another person's Foxy. That's true. You know, everyone's got their type. Maybe he so, really loves foxes. Could be that. Could be a fan of foxes. Um, maybe he likes the band Fleet Foxes. I'm getting him confused with Silver Fox now that you've called multiple people Fox. That's Silver Foxy. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he loves uh, Michael J. Fox. Could be. Could be a big fan. <laughs> That's a little bit more error appropriate than being into Fleet Foxes, yeah, a band yeah. that won't exist for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of a Fox band. Maybe he likes the song Fox on the Run. Isn't that a song? Yeah, Wings. Yeah, all I can think is Bands on the Run. The band. <laughs> On the run. So um, as Rob is being drug away and arrested, he is screaming, I only wanted to help you, Pam. I did it I all for you. With Reva. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole day, Reva just stays busy at work and she's like, well, murderer caught. Everything's done. Um, I don't have to think about this. I'm actually going to do my job today. And so when she leaves the store, she sees a figure in the shadows, and it's Pam. And Pam asks to talk and to Reva and tells Reva that Foxy couldn't have done it. Um, 
she offers to give her a ride. And so they're driving and she explains to Reva that Mitch was blackmailing her um, and tells Reva, don't worry about why he was blackmailing me. He just was blackmailing me, you know, and um, tells Reva that Foxy had left his post to visit her. Um, But she does confess that Foxy was the prankster. He did put the needle in the lipstick. He did do the blood cologne bottle trick and he did do the mannequin in a box. Um, A lot of work. Yeah, really. She says, he was just so angry at the way you treated me and how awful you were to me and how you tricked him into being Santa Claus, how you humiliated him in front of everyone. But that's all he did. He did not murder someone and put them in a box and have it delivered to you. He did not rob the store. And as they're driving home, this is when Reva realizes that she had forgot her purse back at the department store and asks Pam to take her back. When she gets in the store... um, it's kind of eerie. There are weird things like the department music has been left on and the Christmas lights are still on and there's no guard at the back door. So there's a lot of weird things here where like the proper closing procedures weren't followed, you know, and she is walking to where her purse is and she sees a figure there and thinks it's Hank in front of the security monitors, but it's not. It's Mr. Wakely. And that's when she says, Mr. Wakely, you don't work here anymore. And he says, I still have some work to do. So... Um, Mr. Wakely tells Reva his whole scheme. He was the one who robbed the twenty. <laughs> Just a classic <laughs> James Bond villain situation. Let me tell you, <laughs> you everything that happened. Confess everything point by point. Yeah. Yes. So he was. He's like, listen. Maywood said there would be no problems that he had gotten these three dumb kids to rob the store, and they would be a distraction while we robbed the safe. And when he got the money, he stepped out, only to realize that one of the kids was his son. And he panicked and shot the guard when he saw him aim the gun at Mickey. He also killed Mitch because he knew about the blackmailing scheme. Um, he saw, oh, he saw the kids come running out when he came back to the store to get something. This is why I'm like, why do these kids all just come back to the store when it's closed and locked? Anyway, um, he tells Reva that he didn't send the body to her. He just found a big carton with a bow on it and put the body in it and left it behind the counter. Um, it was just the same carton that had the mannequin in it and it was still wrapped and he just stuck the body in it and someone re-delivered it to her her counter so anyway he came back to the store because he wanted to get the real loot the 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 main loot the safe that's in her dad's office but now he's just gonna have to kill reva and reva runs and mr wakely is shooting at her he's not a good shot he's probably drunk maybe I don't know. He's not a good shot. And she ends up with her back against the balcony. And Mr. Wakely leaps to attack her. Why is he leaping to attack her? He should just shoot her. Why do all these villains leap to attack people? You practice. This your, is not, look, if you get in all that practice jumping around, you want to use it in a real situation. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just would never think to leap at someone. I can't jump very good. So leaping at someone seems like you have to be really good at it. And when you're standing Um, on a balcony, you probably shouldn't be leaping towards the balcony anyway. Yeah, it doesn't seem very (laughs) smart. Or like Mm -hmm. if someone's standing in front of a quarry. Ah, Yeah, right? People always getting pushed over. Yeah. So whenever he leaps at her, he just ends up sailing right past her. And over the balcony, and he Uh, lands on this giant Christmas tree. And this is when, by the way, this chapter is sensitively titled Zap. 
Oh, God. You'll find out why. Uh, Reva peered down to the first floor. She cried out, raising her hands to her face when she saw Wakely down there, his eyes frozen open in a wide stare of horror, his body being jolted in the midst of a blinding red and yellow electric current. Wakely had landed on the, the tree and it shorted out. She heard a last few pop, pop, pops, like automatic gunshots, and then the current fizzled out. So that's when Hank appears. He was down in the basement, saw everything on the monitor, and everything's on tape. So they can take this as proof to the authorities. Yeah, death by Christmas tree. <sighs> so anyway, at the police station, um, everyone is being questioned about the events of the night. And uh, they learn that Pam will have to go to a hearing and she can stay in her parents' custody. And she's only going to be charged with trespassing because she's never been in trouble before. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't the store choose whether or not to press charges against people who rob them? Yeah. So her uncle is choosing to charge her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's just trespassing, but he's still choosing to be like, yeah, let's press charges against my niece. My poor niece, legal fees are involved in this. This is a big deal. Maybe she'll get a job there, though. Maybe there's like a board (laughs) of directors and it was out of his hands. Maybe they had to, maybe they have a strong legal team even when they don't have any HR team. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Sounds about right. So uh, they all leave and Hank and, and, um, and Riva are holding hands as they leave. And Riva's just feeling so much warmth and love. <laughs> and she even hugs her cousin, Pam. And she says, I feel so warm, so light, as if a layer of ice had melted away from me. If I hadn't been so cold, so bottled up, so hateful, maybe none of this would have happened. I have real feelings now. Warm feelings. Sad feelings. Silently, she made a New Year's resolution to herself never to lose those feelings again. I have a feeling that she does, though, because there are two more books in this series, maybe, and I'm guessing that Reva doesn't learn her Maybe she's cheerful. Lesson. Maybe she's not a teen girl Patrick Bateman. Maybe she has learned how to feel <laughs> like a human. Maybe. I feel like none of the characters really learned. Katie, can you confirm if Reva has kept her warm feelings and allowed herself to feel and be happy? Um. Yeah, I can confirm that in books two and three, she's... Meaner than in the first one. <laughs> she gets worse. Hell yeah. And there's no uh, there's no talk of um, happy, warm feelings at the end. She's accepted who she is, and okay. who she is is just a cold, hard B word. <laughs> we uh, we can cuss on here. It's okay. Oh, you can say the B word, if you want. <laughs> but if you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to pressure you into it. Uh, so. I feel like Riva is an icon in the world of Fear Street. She's one of the few characters I remember, like, when I think of Fear Street books. Everything, everyone else is kind of uh, replaceable, interchangeable, but not, not Riva. There's only one Riva Dalby, and I, I kind of love her. Mm-hmm. I love her because she does stand out, and I feel like Stein does have fun writing for her, and you can tell um that he does she's just so maybe he's putting himself in her is he like he's like an asshole in real life right he loves playing pranks on people <laughs> job pranks <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah buddy i got a position for you at scholastic show yeah. up in your best clothes <laughs> you're a janitor whoops 
Jovial Bob Stein, gotcha. And that's why they call him Jovial. He likes to inflict uh, misery on others. <laughs> You've been Jovied. I don't. I was trying you to got make it. Steined. Oh, that's better. I was trying to use his nickname. <laughs> I don't think that works as well. It doesn't. Yours is better. Okay. Yeah. So I um, kind of adore Riva. I love this book. I think it's a lot of fun. Katie, do you have anything to add to the discussion about Riva or the Dolbys in general? Or did we miss anything? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, she's one of my favorite Fear Street characters. I just think she's like so funny and campy and uh, it only gets better from here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, she's like clearly gone through some trauma with having to lose her mom and stuff. And so she's just kind of adopted this as her like protection method, like to face the rest of the world. She just kind of has to, you know, present herself as though she's better than everybody else and nobody else matters. And like, maybe that's not the best coping mechanism, but it works for her. And so I'm fine with it. I say you do what you have to do. And yeah, I, I really, I really like this book. I think of the other characters are wimps, so she was right to call them that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, prove prove her wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think she ever called Hank a wimp. Uh, Did she? No, that's no, true. Hank is not a wimp. A, Hank's a cool guy. He's like a dumb ox, though. I think she called him a cornhole, right? <laughs> <laughs> cornhole. <laughs> I hope so. I can't remember. That's a funny insult. That seems yeah. dirty. Yeah. Um yeah, Riva Riva kinda rocks. Um so I I need to read the other two. Like I said, I think I read the second one, but I never read the third. But now that I know the third is the best, I have to complete the trilogy. So just like Monster Blood, the third is the best. Is it? Um I vaguely I don't really remember what happens in, in those books. So okay. but I remember liking the third one. Hmm. Interesting. Well, before we rate it, do you want to hear what the community thought? Yeah. Yes. So on Goodreads, this book has almost 4,000 ratings. Um, the average rating is 3.68. Just to read a few reviews, Grady Hendrix rated this book. Ooh. Author Grady oh. Hendrix. Yeah. He said, R.L. Stein has written a lot of books at Christmas, so why can't he write a satisfying Christmas book? One star. One Come star. On, Grady. Grady? Next, One star. next time he comes to Springfield, I'll confront him about that. <laughs> definitely. Definitely confront him about it. Let's see. I remember there was like a funny review somewhere. Oh, Justin, a uh, uh, reader named Justin rated it, gave it five stars, said, just as good as I remember. <laughs> um, uh, Kelly uh, rated this one star and says, if you've seen Riverdale, picture Cheryl Blossom in the lead role Ooh. of Reva Dalby in Silent Night, an evil spoiled rich redhead wreaking havoc on her friends' lives and then being messed with in return. The book was go. ridiculous and over the top and filled with unlikable characters. Not a good holiday read. Not a good read at all. Although I could see it as a Christmas subplot in Riverdale. So <laughs> This person really just wants to be watching <laughs> <Yeah. Riverdale. 
uh, Ella gave it five stars and said, read this with my mom. It's from her old collection of Fear Street books. Was so good and scary. Can't wait to read more with her. Oh, that's kind of sweet. I love that. That's uh, a little baby. Yeah. So uh, uh, that little I mean, baby's probably 20. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> Let's see how long ago that the was. The mom is 35. Uh, two years ago. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, we're going to go around and give it our hoof rating. Who wants to go first? Joshua, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think I give it four. Uh, I'm looking at Yeah, I give it four. Wow. It's the best R.L. Stein book we've read. Is that true? Probably. I'd say it's up there. It's up there with, like, the babysitter. I love the first babysitter. Uh, um, is that the one with the quarry? I, I think I did like that one. That's one of the, the quarry. That's also the one where the villain uh, tries to push the heroine off the quarry and instead dives over her. Well, actually, I think Classic. she moves out of the way and he falls Classic into the quarry. irony. Yeah. So the villains go out the same way in both books. Um, yeah. I gave it four stars on Goodreads and said solid Fear Street banger. Um, I actually, I, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to give it four hooves and the unicorn horn. I think it's wow. just a perfect example of how good Fear Street could be. You need to, <laughs> if every book was like this. You need to add so Grady I, Hendrix from the pod account on Twitter and yeah, we, need, we need to, we got beef now. Yeah. <laughs> Where's his Christmas book? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What's it going to be? Honestly, called? I'm surprised Christmas. he doesn't have one yet. <laughs> he he will. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's in the works. Yeah. Tell you that much. Yeah. Um, Katie. Yeah, I of course give it four hooves. It's one of my favorites. Um, all three of the Silent Nights I think are so good. I have them here in this um Silent Night Collector's Edition. Whoa. Yeah. Um. And, you know, as we mentioned, Riva is such an interesting and um, complex character. And I thought the story was also fun and crazy. Uh, It was all around a good holiday, holiday crime story. (laughs) (laughs) Better than most holiday crime stories. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So four hooves. Four hoofs. Yeah. And and a unicorn wearing, wearing a Santa hat. Oh, over the, the horn, horn yeah. just over. Okay, a horn with yeah. a little Santa hat on the horn. Yeah, yeah we n- we never give away unicorn horns. It feels like you got to save them for the. You're always reading the trash. Yeah, we're not reading. Them. Well, I mean, look, this is trash. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> these Fear Street books are not like in some kind of classical literature canon. But I don't know. One year some- that Nobel may may go to may go to Bob. <laughs> Maybe, maybe for his work on Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> um, it's all about what brings so. you joy. The hoofs are correlated with the amount of joy, not how good of a book it is, in my opinion. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. And so I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, Katie, I guess it's time to wrap it up. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about your podcast that you started? Sure. I have a podcast called Super Chillers. Um, with a friend, and um, we also cover sort of spooky YA books. Um, our newest episode is on Sweet Valley High, The Evil Twin, which is a Christmas-themed Sweet Valley High <laughs> book. That's pretty cool. So is The Evil Twin... Is it Jessica? It, it has to be Jessica. Is it Jessica? 
you're not going to believe this. It's um, <laughs> it's a wild card twin. It's a person who looks like the twins, but oh, isn't related no. to them. They just come out of the woodwork. This oh my is goodness! Wild twist. Yeah, and you said this happened soon after the events of the jungle prom that led <laughs> to um, Jessica spiking her sister's drink with alcohol. And Ooh. Elizabeth getting drunk and driving a car and getting into a wreck and killing Jessica's boyfriend. Am I correct in this? You are okay. so spot on. This happens <laughs> almost directly after that trial where Elizabeth is uh, on trial for vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Valley High is Riverdale. <laughs> Sweet Valley High is so good. Um yeah, I enjoy Super Chillers. It is a lot of fun, and there's a lot of good jokes and good fashion moments, as <laughs> expected. Um, and I think, was your first episode the Fear Street book? My first episode was on a Richie Tankersley Cusick book. Mm. Oh, Classic that's right. RTC. Yeah, we're yeah. switching it up and um, trying to do some more... Uh, more lesser known series and stuff after after these couple of books <laughs> after the two yeah. big names yeah. yeah i think speaking of lesser known series um i think our next book will continue in our you know our close study of the zodiac with another book in the zodiac club series called capricorn and co um, because someone on here is a capricorn oh my gosh josh is a capricorn <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's huh? true. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it's me. I don't know what that means about me. I don't know uh, how to blame all of my problems on being a Capricorn, but I am eager to learn from the uh -huh. kids in the Zodiac Club. They're going to teach you all about what a Capricorn is is like You're and how you can blame your your sign for uh -huh. everything that goes wrong Good. in your life. Blame the stars. Or, right. Um, Not to learn your culture. I think we will have another guest. We're going to have two Capricorns. Oh, that's too many. <laughs> In the same place. Yeah, I think uh, Crystal will return. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of very insightful Capricorn material. I'm very excited. Um, I'm hoping it will be as insightful as our looks into Virgos with Katie. So that was a great time. Yeah, so that is what we're going to be doing in January. So... Can we thank uh, Katie for her for uh, her art and um, uh, contributing art to our other podcast? Actually, can you grab some of those stickers? Oh. <laughs> They're sitting. At, I have a I have this big stack of what I'm calling the tiny trents. Oh my gosh, they're so small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry about sorry about the stupid filter on the Skype that is on there for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to send you some. Don't worry. Holographic Trent Resners for our other podcast called Nailed. Mm -hmm. um, Katie designed it. Yeah. And Katie also designed the beautiful horse girl look that you see on our yeah. podcast and the unicorn artwork that you see in our bonus feed if you are a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> and if you are a subscriber to our Patreon, uh, you can get cute little stickers with her artwork or mugs or T-shirts, um, all kinds of cool stuff. And you so. get the bonus episodes. That's right. And our next bonus episode is going to be on Josh's all-time favorite movie, um, 17 Again, starring Zac Efron and, I believe, Matthew Perry. Ooh. And that's all I know about this movie. A Christmas movie. 
Okay. I don't know if that's true. I think there might be Christmas in it. I'm looking it up. I'm counting on it. There better be a Christmas scene. Our goal is get it out before Christmas. There might not be. Um, There might not be. I could be wrong about this, so... The last movie we did for bonus episode was Final Destination, right? Mm-hmm. So go to patreon.com slash areyoutherepod mm-hmm. and join. Yeah, we've had episodes on Urban Legend. Do mostly scary teen movies. The Crush. We had, a, we had a run on some trash. We need to get back into our yeah, teen trash. It's all it, it's, it's always been trash, I thought. 17 again is uh, also... Oh, it's... It's not, yeah, one is not trash, but is um, also scary, but it's an existential crisis about getting old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think coming up, we'll do 17 again. And then in January, isn't that when the Super Bowl is, or is it February? It's usually February. It's in February. Well, oh, because I was going to say Varsity Blues. They're going to make me watch it, folks. We are. Blake's going to finally see that look, whipped look cream. February 13th. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. The day before Valentine's mm. Day. Anyway. All right. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and for all your contributions to our podcast because we are talentless hacks here yes. at AYTP. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so. <laughs> I can't even read, so. It's <laughs> true. That's not true. Uh, but thank you again for coming on our episode uh, oh my god i can't talk tonight. all right thanks everybody for listening <laughs> thanks josh and jess and blake <laughs> Th- thanks, thanks for those who've joined who've joined the patreon and we love you and until next time we let our guests say it, oh, Do you say um, it? until next time <laughs> see you later and happy holidays horse girls <laughs> okay <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs>